Blog Talk Radio. connect to your soul, health, and wellness. Tune in as she brings messages, guidance, and clarity into your life. Hello, everyone. How are you doing today? It is November 30th, 2016, and it's the last day of November. I hope this finds you well. I am your host, Pina Conroy. Get into it with Tina Conroy on Blog Talk Radio. So always grateful to be here with all of you. So if you're listening live or later on the recording, welcome to the show. I am almost wrapping up another year of the show, and it is really, truly one of my passions. But I cannot make it work without all of you. So a big, thankful thanks to all of you. So as we begin the show, I have a lot of things coming up. I want to share them with you before I bring my guest on. And first of all, the larger community at hand is my Facebook group. So I have been building this community, and we have been building a community. And if you would be like to be part of that community, it is the same name of my radio show, Get Into with Tina Conroy. It is searchable in Facebook. It is a closed group, and I will gladly invite you in. We do talk about spiritual issues. We have many spiritual seekers and so many wonderful people as part of the community and group. I also do reading, pulling cards, and Facebook Live. Yes, live at 5 on Friday. It has been so much fun. So join me over in the Facebook group, and I will gladly invite you in. I have a few things coming up in the New York area, and I would love to see all of you if you are nearby. December 11th, from 2 to 4 p.m., that is a Sunday, at Practice Body, Mind, Soul in Roslyn, New York. I am hosting a restorative yoga, Reiki, and essential oil workshop. I am blending all three of my loves together to share with you. Now, I will say that this workshop is filling quite quickly. So if you are interested, please shoot me a text, an email, anything, and I will get you on the list. It is $60 for pre-registration, $70 at the door. And you can contact me at tinaconroy111 at gmail.com. I would hate for you to miss it. Gift yourself this holiday season. Also, I have two more shows coming up in this year. Next year, uh, next week, I will not be on the air December 7th, but on December 14th and December 21st, I will have a two-part series. Design Your Life in 2017. Part one will be December 14th, and part two will be December 21st. We'll be talking about how to take our visions, our passions, and all the thoughts and ideas that we have for the new year and put it into a plan of action. And talking about that plan of action, we are just coming off a new moon. Yesterday was a new moon in Sagittarius. 
And new moons are time for new beginnings, creativity, and birthing something new. And as we move into this feeling and this energy of the new moon, I ask for all of you to think, what would you like to birth in the new year? What creative projects have been stirring? Perhaps it's time to put that into action. So let's center for a moment. Take a nice, long, deep breath in and exhale away. As you take this moment, we call in our guides, our spirits. We call in archangels and angels. We call in the fairies. We call in the wizards today, all the magic around us to work with us, support us, and surround us in this beautiful divinity of light. Take a moment to bring to mind any intention that you may have and take another deep breath in and exhale away. So on the theme of something new, of beginnings and creativity and living your passion, well, that's what my author is all about today. April has lived her passion, and with her new book that we will discuss, you will hear her passion and her creativity is boundless. April Lindewald grew up adoring fantasy novels, except for one aspect, the violence. After a life spent devouring the work of J.R.R. Tolkien, C.S. Lewis, and J.K. Rowling, she set out to write an otherworldly epic devoid of armed conflict. In June, Linda Vald, a member of the Congregational Church of Manhasset, achieved her goal by releasing a 684-page debut novel called The Last Wizard of Henry Clare. She went on to say, I'm upset about our culture and how we embrace violence so completely, she had said in an interview. It seems a default reaction when everything goes wrong. Let's bomb them or let's shoot them. She noticed that in fantasy genre, that good guys defeat bad guys by having a battle and chopping the bad guys up. What if there's a novel where the good guys can't use lethal force? Instead, they use resourcefulness, community intelligence, and creativity. April went on and developed a love of writing in English classes in high school, at Sachem High School in Ronkonkoma, where she prizes for her work helped her gain admission to Washington College, a small liberal arts college in Chestertown, Maryland. Throughout college, she had devoted herself to writing a musical, which led her to pursue singing full-time. Recently, in a blog post, she wrote, Don't let anyone ever tell you it's too late for you to have something meaningful to say. Her book was published on her 60th birthday. So I would love to bring April on the air, as she's holding so patiently, Hi, April. Hi, Tina. Hi, everybody. How are you? Hello. I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for that lovely introduction. Oh, you're welcome. I am so excited to have you, and I just love all the 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 hype and the just amazing, the fun. It's always good to have something so uplifting and exciting. So I, I can't wait to talk to you about the book and all the things that it has brung. So congratulations on its publication. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. So I'd like to always start out as we kind of go back in time a little bit of how you were as a child. What, how would you describe yourself as a child and the things that you enjoyed? 
<laughs> yes, I um, I actually was a, a, a little bit of a sickly child. I had a lot of bad allergies, and uh, back in those days, they do the, they did those scratch tests and gave you shots, and it never really, it didn't really. I don't know if it really helped all that much because we didn't know as much as we do now. But that meant I missed a lot of school, and I read all the time. So there I was, so some years staying home, reading books, and I went to the library a lot and I cleaned them out of fairy books. I read all the different color fairy books. Um, I read Grimm's Tales and all the myths and legends, Bullfinch's mythology, um, Anderson's fairy tales, just about everything I could get my hands on. And it always seemed to lean in the direction of fantasy, magic, um, angels, uh, creatures, uh, that spoke to you, and I loved it. I just loved it. I loved that stretching of the imagination. So I think I was also very spiritual as a child. Uh, we I, we grew up in the Lutheran church, although later on I found it a little constrictive for my expanding sense of what spirituality was. And I combined my sense of magic and my sense of spirituality to always be seeking some kind of higher truth, um, some kind of something behind the veil that was more magical, that was more than what we could just see with our five senses. So my mother used to think of me as a little bit of a, a, a changeling. <laughs> she used to say, I don't know where you came from, because <laughs> I don't know where you get these thoughts and ideas. That's what so I was like as a child. So you had so you had this fantasy imagination even as a young child and did you have did that play out as you as you grew into adulthood did it I mean you had you had this spirituality and you had this magic and I love that with all the the fantasy and you know the creatures and the wizards and the dragons I'm sure so did it play out as you grew up Sure. I used to watch things on television at that time. Uh, back in those days, we Peter Pan used to come on television once a year. And that was my favorite thing. But then I would sit up late at night and wait for Peter Pan to come and get me. Mm. Uh, I think I thought real life was boring and drudgery and, and not very colorful. Uh, so at the time, I was a little bit um, lost in the in the fantasy world. And I thought, why doesn't something happen to me? Am I unworthy? Do I not have all it takes? Do I not believe hard enough? And when I got into college, I had pictures of unicorns all over my walls, posters, collections, glass things, you know, everything that was about another world, basically. Um, and that kind of continued. I could tell you a really interesting – do we have time for a really quick story about how things shifted? Yeah, I would love um, that, yes. Okay, great. Uh, when I was out of college, uh, I was a straight-A student, and I did very well in college, but they, it was a liberal arts school and didn't really prepare you that well for getting out and getting a job. And I wanted to go by that time into performing, and I didn't have the slightest idea. I had been doing it for years in college and high school, but I didn't know how to get into it as a profession. So I got out of school, didn't have a job, went back to live with my parents, and was trying to figure out how to break into singing or acting. During that time, I had to get a job. So I went around and first thing I found was working in a, um, it was a mental hospital where 
young people were incarcerated, basically, and, and treated, and I was doing recreation therapy with them. And after two years of that, I was a little heavy, and I ended up as a foreman in a vitamin packaging factory. Um, so all of this doesn't sound like stuff that you would do as a college-educated person, necessarily, but I I wasn't sure what direction I was heading. And in those days, I would work all day, and then I would come home and read, read far into the night. And mm. I began to be a little bifurcated. You know, I'd have my sort of, this is real life on this one hand, and then this is my favorite place to go to sort of be excited and enthusiastic and look for the magic in life. And I think I was a little bit split in half. And then one night after, it was very common that I'd be reading far into the night and I would fall asleep over the book and then wake up in the middle of the night with the book on my lap and the light still on. So that happened one night. Only when I woke up and saw myself with the book and the light on, something was wrong with my room. It was clean. Mm. <laughs> Usually I had stuff all over the place. And my grandmother's secretary desk was usually propped open with stuff all stuffed into it, not fitting, not closed properly, and there were messes everywhere. And it was all cleaned up and neat, and I looked over at the desk, and the desk was open, and it was there was nothing on it. And then there was a book on it. And I'd been reading all these fantasy novels where books were kind of a symbol. The the lead character might be on a quest, and they, they were looking for the secrets of the universe. And they were they were privileged by seeing some kind of an ancient volume with a secret recipe or a spell or some kind of wisdom in it that would teach you something. Um, initiations, things like that. And there was this big old giant leather-bound metal-clad mm. book on my desk. And I turned around and there was a guy in my room. And he was, oh, I don't know, he was very tall, seven feet tall, big, um he was like wow. a wizard. He had a brown, not brown, gray robes, no hat, but he had white hair, and he had skin and face that looked ancient but young at the same time. And I, I'll never forget the eyes. They were blue, 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 and they were twinkling with such love, just incredible mm. deep love. I'm pretty sure that we're talking about a master here that visited me in, in right. dreams, yes. basically. And I think it might have been Merlin or someone of that that level. Um, but anyway, he stood there and he communicated by telepathy and he, he sort of urged me to go look at the book. And I was really, really excited because I thought, I've been waiting all this time for Peter Pan to come and get me and now I get to have something. I get to have my moment of illumination and mm. I'm going to know the secrets of the universe and I'm going to be a teacher and I'm going to be wonderful. And I ran over to the desk and I opened up the book and all the pages were blank. <laughs> oh. And, and I turned them back and forth, and I flipped them around, and there was nothing on them. And I looked up at him, and I was so heartbroken. I thought, what is this, a tease? Is it that I can't see it because I'm not good enough, or I didn't do something right, or are you? what are you doing? You're tricking me. And he just smiled, that beautiful smile, and he kept shaking his head, and he was like, it's okay, you'll understand, you'll know someday. Mm. Um. So that happened when I was maybe, oh, I don't know, 20, 20 years old. And he vanished, and I really never saw him again in the flesh like that. And when I woke up the next morning, everything was back in its usual messy place, and there was no book. And I was wow. really upset. I was so upset because I thought, why did I dream this? It's so vivid. And it seemed like I was going to have a breakthrough, and then 
nothing. And I stewed about it for a while, and finally one day I said to a very trusted friend who's very smart, I said, you know, my heart is broken because I feel like I had this wonderful opportunity and I must have done something wrong because I didn't get anything from it. I had blank pages. And she laughed at me and she said, you know, I don't think that's the message at all here. I don't think you're supposed to read that book. I think you're supposed to write in it. Wow. I went, oh, I said, oh, really? Do you think that could be it? And after that, I started to sort of study more spirituality. I start to take classes and read books about, oh, angels and uh, the soul and the nature of reality and metaphysics. And I started to see that there was magic in the world. There was magic in real life. It was right there, right in front of my eyes. It was right under the surface of things if I just dug a little deeper. And so that's been my quest ever since, to sort of look and find it and translate it and bring it to others. I love that story. I've never known that story as long as I've known you. And I absolutely love it. I love the fact that, well, one, I mean, as you're saying it, I'm a very visual person. So I'm thinking of this wizard in my room standing. And were you scared at all? Did it? Did you have any like no, fear during this? I don't think I was scared because it, it, yeah. his love was so palpable. I've never felt mm-hmm. love like that from any human being. It was really godlike. And so that that was such a big message. And your and your purpose, the Dharma, right? That like the purpose they were. So what a message that was in your twenties or in your early twenties, even that you would birth a book. Did you? So at that point, so you got more into spirituality. When did it sort of occur to you that perhaps this was going to be in your future? Did you did you start thinking well, about a book then? No, I wanted to be on stage, so I ignored that, of course. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I did get into <laughs> that was the lure of the stage was a little too powerful for me, and I I kind of um, loved that, and I loved music, and I ended up being a professional singer, a classical singer. Um, had my opportunities, I. I got into the Greg Smith Singers, which at the time was a very um, prestigious professional group of 16 singers that toured all over the country and all over the world doing choral music. Uh, And that was very exciting because I learned to be an artist and I learned to be part of a team um, where the the group was more important than the individuals. But Mm -hmm. I also got a few chances for individual shining and I got to travel and see the world and meet other kinds of people. I went to 49 states. I went to Hawaii, Italy, France, and I learned. I learned a lot. Um, And then after that, I ended up uh, seven or eight years of that, and then I went to New York City Opera Chorus, where it was a little bit of a different kind of music, but it was also a team and uh, the discipline of doing your art every single day, being creative every single day. It was very joyful in many, many ways. And and I also know that because we met in 2007 when you had, um, in, in the middle of my yoga teacher training, and you had developed, and I know you've done more than one, but you had a CD out and you had an album, I guess it's album CD, I don't know what it is now, but you, you have recorded many different uh, uh, mu- music, correct? <laughs> Yes, mm-hmm. I I did a I've been on some recordings with the Gregsman singers um as a as a classical singer but 
when I was in college, I someone gave I had a my, for my fifteenth birthday, my friends all chipped in and got me a guitar. This is how the universe steers you, you know, all these little pieces of the puzzle that sort of come together. Um, I didn't know how to play the guitar, but I was with, I was hanging around with people who had a folk group, and back in those days, music was very participatory. Uh, everybody hung out and sang together. Um, sounds a little bizarre now, but that's what we did for fun. And we got our guitars out, and we made harmonies, and we wrote songs, and many, many, many years later... When I was quitting City Opera and I didn't know what my next step was going to be, some random remark by a friend and said, I always thought you were going to be a songwriter. Mm-hmm. So that's when I tried my luck at writing a whole album of songs, um, which also had a wizard theme, and put that out. But it didn't. it's mostly friends and family that own copies because I wasn't very good at marketing. <laughs> so... Because I, I, but I remember you singing for us. I remember. I think that's how we met. I remember you. You know, right, your voices. Yeah. Your your voice is amazing. I mean, I, I just. It's always just takes gives me chills how beautiful your voice is. So, and I know not everyone can hear that right now, but you also have so many gifts with with all that you've done. Um, and I know that you also were in the chorus for your church, correct? Right in the Congregational Church of Manhattan. Yes, you were in I the still there. make. I still make part of my living um, as a singer, as a classical singer, and one of the ways that singers do that is to be hired to sing in um, churches and synagogues and funerals and weddings um, to add a little bit of extra professional help, a little um, heft and a little help for the amateurs in the choirs. And so I did get paid um, in my congregational church to come and sit amongst everyone and help them read the music and add a little bit of extra sound uh, and occasionally do a solo. But my church is amazing, and I actually was so taken by their very liberal view of spirituality that I joined the church as well. And I've been oh, there nice. for about 15 years. So Yeah, very nice. I have actually, I actually will have to talk off record. I have friends that are uh, members of that church as well. So I'm sure there's oh. a lot of people that we know. Yeah. And it's right here because I live right here. So not far away. It's kind so of an amazing us, place. Yeah. It is. I hear wonderful, wonderful things about it. Um, so let us take us a little bit further on. Um, so when did you feel inspired to write the book? When did, like, uh, when did that kind of come to you? What would you say? Well, for years, people were saying to me, you know, every time I wrote them a birthday card or, you know, a little article or an obituary for a pet or something, they would say, you know, you have such a gift with words. You should write, like, more. You should write professionally. And I would always laugh and say, well, I don't have anything important to say. So, you know, you're not going to get a book out of me. And then, I don't know, I guess around around 2003 or something like that, I was – starting to think about ideas and it was starting to get to me that I was going to see all these movies about that the Lord of the Rings movies were coming out. Um, I was reading more books. I was looking, I was seeing TV programs and fantasy genres seemed to be all about battles. And I mm-hmm. loved the, the philosophies and the thoughts and the, and the beautiful sentiments and characters and, and the creative worlds that were built but I hated the fact that everything was always solved by this massive battle and people just chopping each other to bits Um, 
and a lot of death and a lot of destruction. And I just thought, then I started looking around at our world around us. We were starting to have an uptick in people grabbing guns and going out and shooting mass shootings, um, people attacking their own families. Uh, I know that's been happening forever, but it seemed to me that we were developing a culture where it was becoming it was becoming almost like acceptable or expected that if your life was frustrating and if your life was bad you could fix that by going out and doing harm to a lot of other people usually innocent people mm-hmm. um and even if it wasn't innocent people it's people that y- you instead of chatting with them or trying to come up with a solution and we had wars going on, and it just seemed to me like we need some kind of models. We don't have enough models to show our children of people who work out their problems in other ways besides punching and hitting and shooting and stabbing and lashing out. Uh, we don't have um, – we're not valuing. We're not showing a value to negotiation, to cleverness, to finding common ground. And look where it's gotten us today. It's just mm-hmm. not, I don't want to be living in a world where everyone is walking around with a hidden weapon and wondering, you know, who's going to who's gonna be the next person who, you know, disrupts your time at a restaurant with friends or your movie-going experience or your prayer meeting. It's not the kind of world I want to spend my last years in. And so I thought... Maybe there need to be stories. There need to be stories where people use other other things, other tools in their tool chest to work out their problems. Um, now, I kind of have to admit that I cheated a little in the book because <laughs> there's magic. There's magic. There's a wizard. So we may not think we have that available to us in real life, but at least at the beginning of a conversation and saying, okay, does everybody maybe we need to listen to each other maybe we need to find out why somebody did what they did um instead of immediately uh lashing back at them um i just think that it's i wanted to do that and then i started sort of thinking about ideas and i guess it started a friend of mine took me to a writers conference just for fun she was going she wanted a roommate And there was a woman there who put us through a guided meditation where we were supposed to just be in meditation and get on some kind of a conveyance. In my case, it was a boat. And it would take us to a place which we would look and see what the place was, and there would be characters there, and we would see what they were doing and observe. And I came away with a very clear picture. I came away with a Mm -hmm. wizard in exile in a woods, and someone coming and knocking on the door and wanting to bring him back into into the world for a purpose. Wow. But I had no idea what that meant. I had no idea what where that fit in the story. And it took another couple of years of fiddling around. And then one day I was on the train going to the city, and I had a journal and a pen. And I said, let me see if I can write this scene. And I started at the beginning, what was going to be the beginning of the book. And I just kept writing and one year from that day, I wrote, put the date on top of the page, and exactly one year later, I put the period on the last, the last sentence. Wow, wow, <laughs> one year. I mean, sometimes it takes people 
so much longer. So you put the date on the page, you just started putting your thoughts down in paper. And I know you said in one of your, um, in one of the articles that you were interviewed in, and just so all the listeners know, you were written up in Kirkus. So there's Kirkus Reviews. So there's a beautiful yeah. article there. Um, also, you were also written up in, um, I believe, the Island Now. So that's another place. I'm just telling all the listeners. I have put this up on my Facebook page, but it's so it's so nice to know. But I believe in one of the articles, and maybe it was, um, I can't remember which one it was now. But you talked about how the characters came to you, how um, they kind of just spoke through you and to you, and they just became reality on the page. Can you can you talk a little bit about that? How that like was it? Did you feel like it was a channeling or? Yes, I do. Yeah. And uh, I okay. I was, thought I was going crazy until I heard other people being interviewed who are authors and talked about some of the same phenomenon. I that day on the train when I started to write. It it's it was like you crack open a door and all these people have been waiting on the other side, and mm. and they're like, yay, finally you're here. We have so much to tell you, and and they I could not write. My hand could not go fast enough to put down. It was like almost from beginning to end. There was a little bit of over the course of editing, I've moved some things around, but. As far as telling the the original story, having the original draft, I just put the pen down at the beginning, and we went all the way through. And they were there. They were telling me the characters. They were saying, here's what I do next. And sometimes I would argue with them. I would say, why would you do that? And they would they said, shut up and do what I tell you, because I'll tell you later. You know? <laughs> so it was a little bit like reading a really good book. I mean, I hope it's a good book, but it was sort of like being engaged in a world where I was reading it and I didn't know what was going to happen next all the time. And it was a surprise. It was unfolding by surprise. Uh, and I was just kind of recording it. So wow. that was what it felt like. Um, I don't know where it was coming from. It's, it could be channeled or it could be my subconscious. And interestingly enough, the year that I was doing that, uh, I was pulled into being a caretaker for my mother um, who had Alzheimer's mm -hmm. and so it turned out to be my salvation because as her needs became greater my brother one of my brothers and I um, pretty much made the commitment to keeping her home and taking care of all of her needs and it was the hardest hardest few years I ever went through but mm -hmm. The year that I wrote the book was when things were really going downhill very fast, and every every moment of my life was devoted to caretaking, that when everybody went to sleep or when I had some time to myself, the first place I would go was back to Henry Claire to see what was happening in my other world. <laughs> so it really, it really was a time that it allowed you to have some salvation for the time that you were going way, through. It, yeah. It was a way to recharge my battery so that I could bring, you know, a good, something good to the rest of the world, the rest of my day. Right. And I know that you, it starts out, I know in, uh, even in the review, it says um, that the, the, the beginning of the story or the theme of the story is that it's a hermit who aban he abandons his wizard training. So he was a wizard, but he, he kind of abandoned it. And then he takes up the magic again. Um, and, do you want to tell, I, I don't want to give away the whole book, but do you want to talk a little bit about um, that character? Yeah. The listener? Um, he ended up with the name Tritic. T 
Swidick is a strange name, and people are always saying, how do I say it? It's a family name from my husband's side of the family, and it just kind of wandered in. That's what he wanted to be called. Uh, he's a young, at the beginning of the story, he's 17. He's going to wizard school with two other students uh, and a master that he respects immensely, and something very bad happens. Um, the two other people start playing with black magic and pay some heavy price for it. And the, the whole thing is so traumatic that he ends up, and his master disappears as well. So he feels alone, abandoned, and very shaken up. And he goes into the forest and becomes a hermit and lives privately for 12 years, uh, eschewing the rest of society. And very simply, he lives. Um, and where we pick up the story 12 years later, his master is going back to find him to tell him that the kingdom is in disarray. Um, some very bad things are going to happen and that there's only, he's the last wizard left that can do anything about it. And mm. so he is begged to come back into the world, which he has to be convinced because he doesn't have very much, he's a little bit of a, he has low self-esteem and he's very shy. And we see him grow throughout the course of the story as well into a pretty confident wizard, but it takes a lot to get him there. And he has to team up, he has to go back to the kingdom and team up with um, the regent of the entire kingdom. The the king and queen have been killed, tragically, and their son is only four years old. So there is a regent who is also young. She is a, a female, she is feisty, she rides a dragon. Um, they've been partners together for many years, and he has to convince her that they have to work together to push away this uh, um, darkness that's coming, this um, usurper that's coming with an army. And he also has to convince her that there's a catch in that the there is some knowledge beforehand that, that they're not going to win if they resort to conventional methods. So they need to find some other different way to fight the bad people without harming them in the traditional mm. way of battle. And this is a very hard sell, as you can imagine in our own world. If we went to the politicians in a group and we said, there's a war coming, but we're not allowed to use any kind of weaponry. We have to use our sure. wits. Yeah. That would not go yeah. over well. <laughs> no, no. And, and so they have people in the cabinet and they have people in the in the kingdom that are not really convinced that this is a good thing to do. So they have a, a long arc in trying to convince uh, convince the uh, rest of the kingdom that they have to do it this way and why. And then there's a lot of subplots. There are there are talking animals. There's the dragons. There's unicorns. There's uh, there's a charming water sprite who accompanies him on his journey. Mm -hmm. There's um, there's a sister. The region has a sister, and um, there there are many subplots along the way. But every one of the subplots seems to have gone into the theme of redemption, second chances, um, community, making friends, um, doing things as a group together that where you're more powerful than single people, uh, f finding out why people do things the way they do and possibly engaging in forgiveness. Um, it's a book about love. It's a book about the good somehow triumphing because it's good. Yeah, it does. And you know what? The thing about it, too, is I and I know, again, you must have said this in a lot of different interviews that you've had. It's a time that is so, uh, so well needed 
to have a feel good book, to have, to have, you know, fantasy and to have magic and to have the water sprites and the dragons and the unicorns, but also to have that sense of community and to have that sense of, you know, the, the nonviolence, you know, to work towards the good. And even though they wanted an outcome in the story, you know, they wanted to get their kingdom back and they didn't want the darkness to over, overrule it, to not use excessive violence, to not use violence to do that and to use our wit. And um, talking about communication, I know there's a, it, now that you've told us the story, now that you've told us about your premonition or your dream or your visitation, I should say, I know <laughs> that there's a part in your book that, is it, am I going to say it right now? Tyverdick is in telepathic communication, right? right. It, he's in telepathic right. communication. So as I read that, now it all makes sense because your visitation with your wizard or your master, what you know, as it was when you were right. 20, you brought that into the book with the telepathic communication. So I love that now that I know that. <laughs> Actually, I never made that connection. So thank you, Tina. You That's did great. It. I, no, oh, I my didn't. goodness. Okay. Okay. It's wonderful. Wow. Yeah. I, I, on a little side note, I'm going to share this with you. And I don't share this with many people, so uh, I'll be vulnerable here. So as a child, I had these very, very vivid, vivid dreams. And in most of my dreams, I didn't know when I woke up if it was if I was dreaming, if I was in the wake state or the sleep state. But mm-hmm. in almost all my dreams, I had these telepathic abilities. And I also had, um, uh, I guess it's a... Uh, telekinesis. And so in every dream for many, many, many years, I was able to speak to other people in my dream without using my voice. And then I was able to uh, move things. And it it happens so often and so frequently that when I think about it now that I I have to believe that it probably wasn't really a dream state. I was able to open and close my doors. I was open to, you know, close my windows, move furniture around. Um, I mean, really, you know, things. And then when I would wake up, I, I really thought that was, re- I, I honestly didn't know at some time, like, was that a dream or was that real? Can I move the door? Can I move my pencil? And so I would always have this strange play with myself, like looking, you know, when I was really awake saying, okay, I'm going to move the pencil. I'm going to close the door. <laughs> so anyway, so I had this telekinesis and tele- telepathic communication. And then I got older and many different things happened. And now as a mother of two, I, I still have those dreams, by the way, but not as often, but I have a very strong telepathic communication with my son. So my son is my oldest, he's going to be 23. And we have both, you know, concretely believe that we can telepathically talk to each other. Um, when he was away at college, there was a period of time I was concerned. And so I, you know, I sat down on my bed and I just spoke to him. And, you know, I, I kind of just kept speaking to him telepathically. And I said, you know, I need to hear from you. You know, at this point, I was like, you need to text me. And within like 40 minutes, he texts me back. And to this it. day, <laughs> yeah, to this day, we have this like telepathic thing. You know, I'll think of him or say, you need to contact me. He'll contact me. And he, you know, he says it in a funny way. He goes, well, you know, mom, we have that weird thing going on. But um, <laughs> I think that's why it caught my attention, because I do have that telepathic communication, especially with him. And I had that telepathic and telekinesis uh, most of my life in my dream state, or maybe it's my real state. I'm not really sure. But uh, I just wanted to share that because um, it was interesting when I read that. 
Having met you, I'm not surprised at all, and I feel like we ought to. <laughs> we probably had like a past life in some place where all this was going on because I have frequently said to people that I'm very annoyed because I feel like I should be able to just teleport myself around everywhere and not have to deal with traffic and time and all that stuff that, that when I have to get places. Yeah. I, I feel yeah. like I'm right on the edge. I should be able to do this, you know. Like, <laughs> And I haven't quite figured it out yet, but I feel like it's my birthright, and I don't understand why I'm not doing it yet. <laughs> right, exactly. I, I remember there was, and I'm going to forget the title right now, but I remember the there was a movie that, you know, the Disney Channel would have their Friday night or Saturday, Sunday, maybe Sunday night movie. And I can't think of it. There was the children, and they would go, and they would be able to move themselves and think of things, and it'll come to me. Somebody will remind oh, wow. me. But, um, yeah, I lived in that fantasy world, too. Not so much – it wasn't so much dragons and wizards, but it was more that right. kind of stuff. So it's all, right. it's all part of that. But, yeah, I wanted to just share that. Um, so are there – so tell us a little bit more about is there – are there more books in your future? Is this your very first book? I know that you've published, but have you, did you – have you written books prior to this that you didn't publish? Um, I've, I have – I wrote a book when I was very small. I wrote The Misadventures of Lorelei, which because we had a ton of little Dachshunds uh, in our house, and this was Lorelei was a misbehaving dachshund, and I drew all the pictures and wrote the book. But it was, you know, silliness that we do as we're a kid, but just a little foreshadowing. And up to now, this is my first, this is my first novel. Um, it's, a dream come true for me because I think I always really wanted to do this. And I have been asked, I made sure there was sort of room at the end for the adventures of these people who I adore and would love to spend more time with uh, would go on. And I hope to write a sequel or more. It could be a trilogy. It could be a string of books. Uh, The problem is that I need right now, the publishing industry is, is, new to me and I have just uh, this is self-published just a choice I made to go with self-publishing to get it out there and I'm finding that once you start that all your attention is on marketing for a while to try to Mm -hmm. get people to know about this and so I haven't had any time to write but I did have a flash of what they want to be in the sequel so I if I ever get around to sitting down and doing it I would be happy to extend um go back to these characters and have them have some more adventures. Oh, that's so great. That's so interesting. That's, I mean, I, I don't know. I just, I feel like there's gotta be something else there. So I, I guess they'll, they'll find their way to you and they'll speak to you when the time is right. And I do know a few friends that have published their own uh, work, their own, their own books. And I do know that it does take a full-time job to market it. And um, you've, You've done some book signings, and are there any coming up that we should share with the listeners? Anything that um, you want to share with them, um, or anything? I think there's not much, not much going on at the moment because we kind of did a bunch of them in in September, October, November okay. on the way up to Christmas. But you can, if you're interested, if you're listening and you're interested in in um, checking this book out, it is on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. Am I allowed to say that? I, I just yes, did. yes, absolutely, um, yep. And uh, under The Last Wizard of Henry Clare. Uh, and I also am selling books myself. Um, the only the perk of that is that I can autograph it personally for anybody who wants a copy. Uh, it's out in 
uh, hardcover, softcover, and digital. So if you like to read on your Kindle or um, other device, uh, it's available um, very economically for that format. Uh, and if they, nice. want it, if they want it directly, directly from you and have it signed, how would they contact right. you? I would say best would be to use my um, – to probably go – maybe Facebook would be a good forum. Um, okay. To see if you can friend me on Facebook, and I will, I will accept that, and um, we could communicate through messaging. Does that sound right? You? Yep, that sounds fine. So you, you guys, if you're listening and you would like a book uh, directly from April that she will sign, uh, find her. She is public on Facebook, so just search her name and then uh, give her a message and then she'll respond back to you. Um, that would be great. It just seems yeah. like the easiest way to do it because uh, mm-hmm. I get most of your community is already on Facebook. I would think so, yes. Or email. So I guess people could email you too. What email would you like to use? Yes, uh, my email is a great way to contact me. It's A-P-R-L, which is April without the I, S-N-G-S, which is songs without the O. So it's A-P-R-L-S-N-G-S at optonline.net. Perfect. Thank you. Thanks so much. So before I always kind of get close to the end, I always like to talk to people about, since I, my, my biggest passion is intuition and kind of um, tapping into that for clarity and connection and guidance. So can you share with the guests uh, a moment or a thing um, that had you connect to your intuition? I'm sure there's many that you can share, but maybe uh, one thing that you can share that you knew was like that aha, that you were really listening to your intuition and you um, you took action. Hmm. Oh goodness. Um, yes, you told me to think about this, and it's, it's <laughs> for me it's been a slow. It's been a, a very slow. I'm not one of those people who is like born with you know seeing I see dead people kind of things. Um, I worked at this. I I read about it a lot, and I I prayed. I prayed if you want me to help people with some sort of intuitive gift. Um, just open my sight, open my sight to that. And, and it was about, uh, I guess, and I know that somebody was there. Well, I will tell you that there was a time not that long ago, I've been working with intuition for a long time, but there was a time when I actually heard the voice out loud, the big, <laughs> the big God voice pretty right. much out loud. That was the only time that ever happened. And it was during a period of just a couple of years ago when a lot of things were going not very well. Finances were bad. Uh, book was not getting done. Uh, my mother was ill. My dog was ill. Um, my car broke down. Uh, my brother's car broke down and he didn't have any money. So it seemed like one disaster after another like Job. And all of you out there, I'm sure you've all had months, weeks, years like that where it seems like no matter what you do, everything is just going downhill. And I remember going into meditation, my meditation room and I sat down and I was crying and I just said, what are you trying to tell me? I know there's a lesson in this someplace, and I know I'm maybe not getting it because you keep hitting me with more stuff. What is it I'm supposed to learn from this? Tell it to me so that I don't have to live all of these more things that I have right. to, to get through. Endure, Be yeah. clear. you know. Give me the message so that I can deal with it. And I swear I heard the voice, and the voice said, "Wow, it's about control. 
They said, mm. you need to learn to open your hands and let go. They said, you you are just, you want everything to be all nice and neat and everybody to be happy and everything to be fine. But it's not your call. You're not in charge of everyone's life journey. So they said, you need to let, if your dog is ready to go, you need to let him go. If your Mm -hmm. car has finished its earthly service, you need to let your car go. If your brother is having problems and you can help, fine. But if you can't help, it's his journey and he'll, he'll deal with it a different way. You need to just... Open up, let it flow, and realize that you're not responsible for everyone's happiness. Wow. And I sat there and I was like, I made a face. Like my eyes were all big and I was like, oh. <laughs> I said, okay, I, I do that, don't I? I? I do try to make everything happen the way I want it to. And they were like, yes, you do. And <laughs> we don't want you to anymore. So right. I was sure at that point that um, – I was having a very firm talking to by somebody outside of my own consciousness. <laughs> right. And that exactly. was definitely, I have changed. I mean, I, I don't say I've mastered it, but I have definitely said that I am much looser about trying to control everybody's journey in my life since then. And things are better. Yeah. So you know what? That's you, you asked for it and you got it. And a lot of people don't ask. So that's the first step is we need to ask and we need to be open to receiving that. So there was a, a big booming voice on the outside of, you know, uh, I teach a lot about intuition and one of the Claire's is Claire audience, which, you know, and so it's hearing. And a lot of times I'll tell my students that, you know, there's two ways you can hear Claire audience. You can hear it inside your mind, you know, as you hear your thoughts, you might hear your name kind of called, or you can hear it outside of your head. And, um, usually most people hear it in their mind, you know, in their head. Um, but there is those, few moments. I had one very, um, I have a few outside of my head um, because it it sounds like, you know, you're hearing this other voice. So it can be a little uh, interesting or frightening, but yeah. yeah, So, but yeah, you, that's exactly what Claire audience is and you can hear it inside or hear outside your head. And when you hear it outside your head, it can be very, um, a very, it, it wakes you up. So it sounds like it woke you up and you trusted that. And and like you said, you're, you're a work in progress, but a lot has changed. So how good is that? It's really it's good. Wonderful. Yeah. Yes. Well, and this I do tell been, people, I say ask. Yeah, absolutely. Keep asking everybody. So a lot of people, like, you know, look, life isn't easy. Life is challenging and we're here and we can, a lot of us spiritually say, you know, this is earth school and we understand that the, challenges are the teachings, but it's still hard when you're going through them. Even if you understand that and you know that you're in this place, we just want a way out. So uh, keep asking for support and not only support of friends and family around you, but also for spirit, because we do need to ask for the help of, of the world, you know, of the angelic realm and, and spiritual realm to, for them to help us because we do have a free will. So Thank you for reminding us. I call us. it the magic. I call it the magic, and it's true. I, there's, I tell people there's magic everywhere. And in the darkest times of my life and when we were taking care of my mom and things were overwhelming, I, you know, I would say to the angels, you have to fix this because I don't know what to do. And miracles would happen constantly. There was always thing, little magical things that made it just enough that we could get deal with it, you know. Right, um, right. And it's there. It's there for you, but you do have to ask for it. Yes. Absolutely. Well, this has been uh, such a pleasure. I am so excited for you. Um, I have to tell you, I'm sort of, I'm one of these people, like, I, you know, I, I've read a lot of the book, but I kind of the 
skimmed around because I, you know, I just wanted to, now I have to like go back and I'm one of these people that do that. Like I'll reread a book and um, I'm so excited to get more in depth and really delve into it. But this has been such a pleasure. and I'm so excited for all the new things that it will bring to you. And um, I'm sure you are uplifting so many people with this feeling of goodness and this feeling of magic community. Um, and like you said, really, um, you know, we see so much of the violence in our culture and um, this is just a nice model to have something different. So I, um, we're just always so grateful of your spirit and your light, shining your light and your passion. So thank you for all that you do. And I want to thank you so much for this opportunity to have a platform and to tell people what I am excited about and enthusiastic about. And um, I just appreciate the opportunity so much. And I appreciate all that you do also to teach and uplift people and to keep them um, having hope and light around them. Oh, thank you, April. Well, this has been a pleasure. I know our, I know we'll do this again at some time. And I wish you all the best. If I don't speak to you during this holiday season, um, many blessings to you. Blessings to you and to everybody out there and uh, a beautiful holiday season to you all. Thank you. All right. Bye for now. Namaste. Bye. Namaste. Namaste. Well, that's a wrap, guys. That was amazing. Always so much fun. And uh, we really got into some really fun, worldly uh, old vulnerable stuff there and uh, loving the book, The Last Wizard of Henry Claire. April has so much to share and it really truly is to uh, allow us to be in this feeling of good times and magic. And, and also, as she said, that magic really is all around us and it's just we just need to see it. We need to allow it and also ask when things are difficult and things are challenging. So ask for the magic and know that the magic is there. So go ahead and find her book. It is on Amazon. You can also find it through her directly. Uh, you can find her on Facebook. Go ahead and friend her or send her a message. And, and if you do that, she'll have it signed for you. How nice is that? Uh, it's also on the uh, Kindle version and other versions as well. So don't miss all those opportunities. So before I close out, I just want to share with you that the next two weeks, next week I will not be on the air on December 7th, but I will be back again on December 14th and 21st. And two-part series. The first one is Design Your Life 2017, part one, and December 21st, Design Your Life, part two, 2017. We are going to be talking about how do we vision, what do we, what do we vision for ourselves, what are the ideas that are in play, and how do we move into action for 2017. So it will be a fantastic two-part series. Uh, I would love for you to join me. And also, I know this is a really difficult time of the year, and I would like to uh, invite all of you to a, if you are interested in a chakra balancing stress and overwhelm uh, session with me, we can do that from Skype or in person if you're in the area. It's a 30 minute complimentary session where we'll go over your chakras and rebalance. Uh, this is a very stressful time for so many people. So if you're interested in the stress and overwhelm chakra balancing 30 minute complimentary session, please contact me. My website is tinaconroy.com. 
And you can email me at tinaconroy111 at gmail.com. And just kind of write in there that you're interested in the complimentary 30-minute stress and overwhelm chakra balancing session. So I am always so grateful to all of you. I will see you in two weeks. May you have a blessed, beautiful day. And as we move to December 1st tomorrow, namaste.